As a woman of color, I'm an indigenous woman of color. All that I have been through through the years, the criminalization of just being socially critical and, and voicing it, and then the Tuslaga affair, you know, getting fired, and all of it, I'm grateful that I'm able to speak out about it because there are a lot of people who can't. This is Maricela de Cuba. Today, we'll hear her story as a victim of institutionalized racism in the Netherlands. But even though this is Maricela's individual story, it could easily be the story of many other people living in the country. The story of those who aren't white, don't have a typical Dutch last name, or weren't born in the Netherlands. Because even though the Netherlands is internationally seen as a progressive country, the reality that many ethnic groups experience daily looks very different from the inside. So this is Maricela's story. But it's also the story of the Dutch colonial past, institutionalized racism, police brutality, and racialized algorithms. This is Europe Talks Back, a podcast that uncovers impactful stories from across the continent. My name is Julie Simont. In today's episode, I'll bring you on a journey from racist traditions to racialized algorithms in the Netherlands. Maricela de Cuba is 50 years old. She was born on Aruba, a Caribbean island facing the coast of Venezuela that is a part of the Kingdom of the Netherlands. So technically, Maricela is a Dutch citizen. However, when she moved to the Netherlands mainland at a young age, she found herself confronting a society plagued by racism which propelled her into activism. Her daughters were her catalyst. Maricela's activism began when her children were in school, where they were bullied for being black. All of them are adults now. But today, Maricela still recalls a typical and cruel slur that other children use to mock her daughters. Suerte Piet. Suerte Piet, Black Piet in English, is a fictional character famous in the Netherlands for being St. Nicholas's assistant. But in fact, it's a racist stereotype of black people that had severe emotional consequences for Maricela's children. In Dutch schools and during festive parades on the 6th of December, actors dress up as Black Pete and hand out candy to children. White people put on an Afro wig, paint their faces black, and their lips bright red. This is blackface. It's often presented as innocent fun, but to Maricela's children, it was far from innocent. Due to the color of their skin, they got labeled by white children as Swarta Pete. For many years, Maricela was confronted with this as a mother, until one day she had finally had enough. I always had like reservations about Swarta Pete because I have uh, three black daughters. The first one, she's almost 30 years now, so it's 30 years, almost like 26 years ago. And she was crying and did not want to go to school. So I went to school and I addressed the issue, but they were like, no, that's not a problem. And, you know, there's nothing you can do. She just has to go to school. And then the middle one didn't have much problems with Sorte Pete at school, but the last one did. 
and she was scolded for short feet and other EN word. So I went to school and I addressed the issue. And the director of the school was very open to a conversation about it. And she decided to ban sort of beat from the school. Once Maricela's children had grown up, her fight against Black Pete continued. Swarte Piet is still largely used across the Netherlands, harming the next generation of children. So, in 2016, Maricela decided to join a peaceful anti-Swarte Piet protest in Rotterdam. She doesn't live there, so she crossed half the country to join the protest. But once she got there, she faced police brutality. Unlike their children's school director, the police showed no understanding of the black community. The protest escalated when the police began to beat the activists, throwing punches and hitting them with their batons. Maricela was shocked. What I saw in Rotterdam that day changed me forever because I saw the police brutally beat up people. I saw those people being pulled by the hair, getting beaten up, you know, a fist in their faces. And I was like, am I going home? Am I going to turn away? I just could not live with myself if I did that. So I just went on and then I decided that we cannot keep quiet about this. Maricela didn't keep quiet. She founded her own organization, We Promise, which works to tackle racism, discrimination, and exclusion in the Netherlands. But this was also the beginning of the severe consequences that come with the fight against racism. For years, Maricela has dedicated her life to fighting racism, a mission that, two years ago, in 2021, took Maricela to a place called Huren. Huren is a town north of Amsterdam. It's well known for its harbor, canals, pretty boats, bikes, and a 17th century old town. On a square in the old town, there's a statue of a man called Jan Pieterson Kuhn, JP Kuhn for short. Beautiful buildings surround the statue. Yet, the monument represents a terrible chapter in Dutch history. J.P. Kuhn was an officer of the Dutch East India Company. It was a company created explicitly for the purpose of Dutch colonial expansion. J.P. Kuhn committed genocide. He killed about 14,000 people on the Banda Islands, and essentially for nutmeg. And in Horen, there is a statue to celebrate him and to celebrate the VOC. And that's very problematic because it's very hurtful to have a statue for a person who committed mass murder, genocide. Between the 17th and 19th centuries, the Dutch colonial empire held regions such as the Caribbean, South Africa and Indonesia. All over the Netherlands, statues and buildings still remind us of the Dutch colonial past, exploitation, slavery and war crimes. Many people actively protest against that. Maricela is one of them. So, in January 2021, she and her We Promise co-founder Merve went to Horn together. It was the 2nd of January. The new year had barely begun. 
In the dark of the night, Maricela and Merve walked through the old town to the J.P. Kuhn statue. The square was empty, with no one else in sight. In their backpacks, they had spray cans of eco-friendly chalk. It was dark, so it was in the night. And we went with environmentally friendly chalk spray, and uh, we sprayed on the ground. And that was the only thing we did. We did not touch the statue, it was only on the ground. They filmed themselves as they sprayed so they could show their protest to the rest of the world. Once back home, they added some music to the video and posted it on social media. The mayor of Huron and the police clearly didn't like that. Instead, the municipality claimed that Maricela and Merve had vandalized the statue of J.P. Kuhn, even though they hadn't. Even so, they threatened her with legal action. You can send me a fine if you want to, but I cannot press charges for that. So even send the police to my house to interrogate me. They threatened me that I was never going to do business with a municipality again, that they will find a, a prosecutor who will prosecute me to the max, and that I had to pay a lot of money for everything that I had done. Like We're still talking about environmentally friendly chalk. The media spread the news. After that, things got out of control. And they decided to dox me, so they put all my credentials on the internet. I started getting threats, like not 10, not 20, but hundreds. My phone was going like, like that. Maricela was doxed on Twitter. Her home address, her job, everything was public, even her employer's identity. Soon, her company received threats. And they started stalking my employer and saying, you cannot have somebody like that working for you. You should fire her. My employer knew that I was an activist and what I was doing. And they also knew about that action because I told them. But when all those stress came in, they caved in. So they fired me. The worst part is that the threats did not stay online, but also came into her life offline. People came to my home. Those threats changed from online threats, which I, I was used to receiving, to that they, in the middle of the night, came to my door. I got letters uh, sent to me. And so they knew where I was, where I lived. You know, it was something else. Maricela lost her job because of her activism. Well, to be clear, she lost her job because of the hate speech she received from a society that refuses to face its colonial past. Months later, in November 2021, she received a letter from the Dutch tax authorities. Maricela was terrified when she saw the letter, as she had already had an awful experience with them in the past. In 2006, Maricela had received a letter from the Dutch tax authorities informing her that her financial support for child daycare had ended. Furthermore, the government claimed the money back, years worth of money she had been given as child support. Overnight, Maricela was in debt. I was every month paying off and, you know, you're not able to go to vacations with your children. If, if your children need something, it's like a really puzzle in my head. How am I going to do this? How am I going to provide for them? Are we going to be able to buy groceries till the end of the month? It was all those things going through my head. 
The Dutch tax authorities' claims may have started in 2006, but Maricela was paying them back until 2019. From the beginning, Maricela tried to point out if it was a mistake. She called the tax authorities to find out what went wrong. She believed that someone, maybe she herself, must have made a mistake in one of the financial aid forms, but the public administration was rude to her and refused to help. It's no wonder she was afraid when she received a new letter from the Dutch tax authorities in November 2021. We'll get to that shortly. But for now, let's dive into why Maricela was paying the tax authorities back. The problem was that the tax service here in the Netherlands was wrongfully accusing tens of thousands of families that they were frauding with child benefits. Now, the tax services knew that they were wrongfully accusing those people. In order to create risk profiles of individuals applying for financial aid, the Dutch Tax and Customs Administration used racialized algorithms in which foreign-sounding names and dual nationality were used as indicators of potential fraud. De Cuba, Maricela's last name, was on the list. Victims of the child benefit scandal spoke out, often anonymously, and reported sudden poverty, homelessness and divorces, even suicide attempts. The government, Rutte, in the previous government, Rutte, knew all along about the way the tax services was targeting families, mostly based on racial and ethnic profiling. Once the scandal broke, Prime Minister Mark Rutte met with a selected group of affected parents to listen to their stories. Maricela was not invited to that meeting, but she did receive a letter from the Dutch government. Given her previous experience, she braced herself for the worst. I received that letter and it was like in a thick envelope, a sort of a cardboard envelope. And I was like, no, what is it? What is this for? So I take it out and it's, it's like a diploma. It's like you graduated from, you know, with those beautiful letters and everything. And I was like, what is this? So I, I started reading it. The letter was an official letter from Prime Minister Mark Rutte, kindly informing her that she, indeed, was not a fraud. There was no apology. The exact wording was, it seems that we have affected you with our way of working in the past. I seldom get really, really angry, but I had to restrain myself from not tearing it up because I was like in my head, I need this for evidence for, for, the, for the lawyer. But I wanted to, you know, tear it up and throw it away. What was he thinking? Yeah, I know I'm not a fraud, so thank you, you know. But it was thin, the apology. It was, no, it was nothing. Maricela kept the letter in a drawer. She couldn't stand to look at it. It upset her too much. Today, Maricela has received her money back, but her lawyer is fighting a case for her. Like many others, she claims compensation for the non-material damages that she and her family suffered because of racial profiling. In the meantime, she's found a new job. Maricela is working at Control-Alt-Delete, an organization that monitors and supports victims of racial profiling in the Netherlands. As always, Maricela is determined to keep up the fight. You know, as a woman of color, I'm an indigenous woman of color, all that I have been through through the years, the criminalization of just being socially critical and, and voicing it, and then the Tuslagen affair, you know, getting fired, 
And all of it, I'm grateful that I'm able to speak out about it because there are a lot of people who can't. It's a really racist society here in the Netherlands and racism is lurking everywhere. And not only racism, but sexism, ableism, all of that is lurking everywhere. And um, there are certain people in power that should not be in power, you know? And when you think about a government, the government should be for the people. They're not. We suffer because of them, because all of the laws and the policies they make that do not benefit us. And what I can say about this, don't stay quiet because if we show up for each other, then they cannot go around us. They have to deal with us. In the child benefit scandal, Maricela was still comparably lucky. Other families were not. Due to financial distress, many of them lost custody of their children. Between 2015 and June 2022, 2,090 children were taken from their families and placed in foster care. Many of them still haven't returned home. In January 2021, in the aftermath of the scandal, the third Ruta cabinet resigned. The search for a new coalition took a long time, and it was not until January 2022 that King Willem-Alexander swore in the new fourth Rutte cabinet. In other words, Mark Rutte is still the Prime Minister of the Netherlands today. By now, he is the head of government with the longest term in office in the history of the country. He is now referred to by some as Teflon Mark because every scandal seems to slide right off of him. The daily life experiences of white people and people of color in the Netherlands are still very different from each other. We see this in institutions, police traffic checks, housing, and physical or verbal attacks in public. In Huren, the statue of J.P. Kuhn is still there, by the way. But so is Maricela de Cuba. We've reached the end of this week's episode of Europe Talks Back, a podcast that uncovers impactful stories from across the continent. This show is part of the Sfera Network Project and is available on Europod, a network of podcasts exploring European cultures, politics, and societies. Sarah Tequette from the Netherlands is the scriptwriter of this episode. Maria Dios is our producer and editor. Our sound design is by Jeremy Bouquet. My name is Julie Simond. Stay tuned for next week's episode, where our producer will interview Sarah to discuss how racism shapes non-white lives in the Netherlands. Bye.